Well, hello, friends. Welcome to the Capital City Christian Church Podcast. I'm Chris Taylor, and I'm so happy that you're listening in today. In fact, if you're listening in for the first time or you'd just like to reach out, send me an email at hello at capitalcitychristian.org, and I'd be glad to talk with you. Well, boy, we have a special message today. Our senior minister, Dr. Stephen Doc Patterson, has always talked many times about his preaching partner, Randy. Well, he's not a figment of Doc's imagination. He's a real guy, and in fact, he's preaching the message today. If you had the chance to ask Jesus for anything, what would you ask him for? If the one who created the universe came to ask you what you wanted, what would it be? Let's think about it as we listen to today's message with Randy Kirk from First Capital Christian Church in Corridon, Indiana. And uh, greetings to you from the Cap City, Indiana campus. Um, You have no idea how much influence you have had on the congregation in Indiana where I serve. Uh, Not only have I stolen Steve's sermons for the years, but uh, your elders have helped lead our elders unwittingly. They did not realize the influence that they were having and all that you have done to make us better. And I am just really thankful for what you guys have done for us. And uh, it's, it's a privilege to be here today. I didn't tell first service, but uh, Jared Nassif, our uh, uh, in, discipleship minister, is to preach at our church this morning. However, last night about 11 o'clock, I got a text from Jared that says, I won't be in church because they had a baby last night. And so... Uh, Uh, Fortunately, we videotaped his message Wednesday, so uh, he's still preaching there, just uh, 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 not live. So that's that's that. Let's Let's get into this thing. How about it? Let's suppose. Let's just suppose for a moment that Jesus is who he said he was and that he could do all the things that he said he could do. Just give me that. Just, Just give me that much. Let's suppose that Jesus was who he said he was. Now, what do you know about what he claims to be? He was a pretty likable kind of guy, pretty engaging personality, kind. Uh, in, in he reached out to people that other people didn't reach out to. He was pretty smart, very, very engaging, interesting, challenging teacher. But, but the part that's intriguing about him is this part that he could do these extraordinary things, these things that other people just can't do. Things that other people don't do, things like uh, controlling the weather, would that not be nice? Uh, But he could control the weather and he could could, uh, control disease and he could fix people that were sick and people that were disabled. In fact, he brought dead people back to life. Now let's suppose for a moment, let's just suppose that Jesus was who he said he was, that he was in fact God come in human form to live among us. I give you that piece to set up this piece. If if you allow me that supposition, let's go to this supposition. What if, what if that Jesus came to you and said, what can I do for you today? How would you respond? What, if Jesus said to you, what do you want? Now, t- Steve gave you a, a head start on that earlier. He said, he said that Jesus gave you three wishes. What, did you start on your list already? 
If you haven't started on your list, it's too late because I'm moving past that. Uh, You're not getting three anymore. You're not even getting two. What if you only got one? What if Jesus said to you, I'll do one thing for you today. What would it be? What's the one thing you would want him to do? And you're sitting there saying, well, it's not fair. I thought I was going to get three and they only get one. And I got to think about this a little bit. and, And I'm not sure. What if, what if you said, well, I just can't decide. Let me ask you this. Would you let Jesus make that decision for you. Would you turn back to him and say, well, whatever you decide is okay with me? You say, oh, oh, no, no, no. How about it? Well, let me just tell you that today we're going to investigate a story about a man to whom Jesus said, what can I do for you? What is it you want me to do for you? Now, I'm just going to tell you, that's intriguing to me. I wonder, I want to know who this guy is. What was it was so special about him that set him up for Jesus to make that kind of offer? And I'm curious as to what he would ask for. And I'm more curious about, did Jesus come through on his offer? There's a researcher named Luke who researched the life of Jesus And in his account of that, he includes this story in Luke chapter 18, verse 35 and following. So I'm going to pick it up there and we'll go on with the story. It says this, as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. Now there were a lot of beggars in those days. Begging was one of the, uh, as many beggars as there was people working any other kind of job because there was no welfare system. The government didn't step in and help and provide anything. And there was no health care system. You were kind of on your own. And if you had a disability, if you had a disability, you just simply had to fend for yourself. And so we have this man here who is uh, uh, disabled. He's blind. And he's begging as, as a means for his living. Now, uh, there were a lot of beggars in those days. There are a lot of beggars in our day. And I want to tell you, I, I have learned about beggars. They're pretty savvy lot. They're pretty smart. Now, I don't know your community, but I bet I could find your beggars pretty quick. All I need to know is where's Walmart? Uh, at our, in our town, in our town, there's a stoplight right outside of Walmart. And that's where they congregate. And that's where they stand. And that's where they are. I, I, you, you know, uh, beggars are a savvy lot. They know where to go. They know the traffic flow. They know where people are and they know how to, to uh, identify a mark and how to identify where it is. They know what time to be there. And uh, they pick a place with lots of traffic. They pick a place where the traffic has a lot of money, where people have uh, disposable money. That's, that's like Walmart. And they like to pick a place where people that are tended toward being generous would go. For example, for example, let's suppose that there were a group of people, a mass of people going for a religious holiday in Jerusalem. The religious holiday happened to be Passover, which was the biggest of their holidays. And you had all of these people who anyone who came from the east or from the north had to pass through one city gate into Jericho to go on to Jerusalem. And so ideal place for a beggar to set up shop. And so this beggar is sitting there. His his name is Bartimus. Now, we, we don't get that from Luke. Luke doesn't give us his name. But Mark tells the same story. And he tells us that the guy's name is Bart. 
So we've got blind Bart setting up shop. And uh, uh, for him, it's just another day at the office. Now he's hoping for a good day because the masses of people, the crowds that are coming through going to Jerusalem for the holidays, and they're hoping that they've all got this disposable income that they can catch some of that. Put yourself in Bart's place for a moment. I just want you to close your eyes. Not because I want you to visualize that, it's because he was blind. And I just want you for a moment to close your eyes and think about what life would be like for you if it were that way all the time, all day, every day. So I have this man who is blind, who can't get a job, can't hold a job because he can't see. So color him poor. I want you to picture him in these ratty clothes that are a little bit filthy and this uh, scraggly hair and in need of a bath. Not a very pleasing, attractive picture. Not, not a very good first impression. Well, as Jesus approached Jericho, now, as far as I can tell, I've, I've studied through the gospel several times. The best I can tell, Jesus, during his ministry, only went through Jericho two, maybe three times in the, in the years of his ministry. So this is kind of a rare occasion for him. But as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. So we've got blind Bart begging. When he heard the crowd going by, and he asked what was happening. And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Now, I think this is really interesting. Because here's what, if, if you're a note taker, this is, write this one down. This is good. All right? This is good. And that is, it was the crowd around Jesus that attracted him to Jesus. Now, there's a truth there. You, need, you didn't write that down. You keep it so dark in here, no wonder they can't write. All right? So anyway, it's the crowd around Jesus that attracts people to Jesus. Still true today, isn't it? It is, it is the way that they live and the way that they talk. It's what they do and how they interact with people that attracts people to Jesus. I mean, you think through your own experience. When you first started going to church, when you first came in an encounter with Jesus, what was the part that played into that? I want to tell you, it's probably not a how, it's not a what, it's a who. Who was the person that played that role in your life, in your experience, that brought you to Jesus the first time? That's the way it works. I mean, we're here right now. And what we've got is this crowd around Jesus. And yet Jesus is the centerpiece of everything we're doing in here today. And it was the people in the crowd that had told him about Jesus. Now, I think that's interesting. And Blind Bart picked up on that. They said, it's Jesus of Nazareth that's passing by. And he called out, Jesus, son of David. Now, whoa, 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 whoa. He didn't cry out Jesus uh, from Nazareth. He said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. In other words, 
He knew something about Jesus already. Before he ever came into the presence of Jesus, he knew something about Jesus. When they said, was Jesus of Nazareth passing by, he started connecting the dots. He said, Jesus of Nazareth. Heard that? Oh yeah, he's that teacher. He's that teacher from up in Galilee. Yeah, I've heard about him. I hear he can teach. In fact, I hear, I hear he fed a bunch of people one day. I could use a meal right now. He's, he's putting all this together. And he's figuring this thing out just a little bit at a time. And he figures that this is the Jesus that some said was Messiah. Some say might even be the next king, king. David was son of David. And so he starts stringing this together with the little bit that he knew and stringing together who Jesus is. Have mercy on me. Feel sorry for me. Hey, look at me. Take care of me. I've got needs here. Now he's thinking, this, I like the way the guy thinks. He's thinking, if I can get Jesus here and all these people are with Jesus, then surely they're going to come by too. He's working this. This guy's shrewd. I like the way he plays this. <laughs> then it says, those that led the way rebuked him told him to be quiet. Now this is an interesting twist. You see, it was the crowd around Jesus that attracted him to Jesus, and now it's the crowd around Jesus that's keeping him away from Jesus. You ought to write that down. Okay, that was good. But it's true, you know? It was true then and it's true now. Maybe you've had that experience. Maybe you went to a church someday and, and, and you went to this church and you, they made it very clear to you that you weren't welcome there. You ever had that experience? You ever had an experience where somebody from the church said something to you that was really abrasive, something that was really rude, crude, and inappropriate? Stung, burnt. You ever had an experience where someone from the church treated you in a way, or maybe they just ignored you. But sometimes it's the crowd around Jesus that keeps people from Jesus. I mean, I get it. This guy's blind. I get it. This guy is, is dressed poorly and he stinks. I get it, except I don't get it because the crowd around Jesus is never supposed to keep people from Jesus. We're supposed to help people find Jesus. So... Those that were led the way rebuked him. They told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. They said, shut up, and he just spoke up. I like that. I really do. I like this. This guy, he's willing to take initiative. He, he is not going to sit there and let this opportunity pass him by. Listen. Bart wasn't interested in Jesus. Just the truth. Bart wasn't interested in Jesus. Bart was interested in Bart. Bart wanted him some Bart. You, you know? But don't go picking on Bart because Bart's exactly where you were when you came to Jesus. You didn't come to Jesus because of, of Jesus. You came to Jesus because of you. You came to Jesus because he had what you need. You came to Jesus because he had something you couldn't do. You knew that you had a need in your life that you weren't going to be able to fill on your own. You came to Jesus because of what Jesus could do for you, not because of what you could do for him. That's where we all come in. 
We're all alike right there. And so was Bart. There was some level of understanding. He had some idea of who Jesus was and that understanding had moved into a little bit of faith. Enough faith that he was connecting the dots and he says, this this is son of David, this is important. This This guy can do something that nobody else in this crowd can do. But here's the big piece, here's the attractive piece. What got Jesus' attention was that he didn't just sit there. What got Jesus' attention was that he acted, that he spoke up, he made an overture. He said, I want what you've got. So then what happened? Well, I'm glad you asked. It says Jesus stopped and he ordered the man to be brought to him. And when he came near, Jesus asked him, oh, what do you want me to do for you? There it is. What do you want me to do for you? There's the question. What do you want? Hamburger and fries would be nice. Right? Could you get me a date with the girl that works the hamburger shop? You know, I could use an umbrella. It's hot out here and this begging's hot work. If you could get me one of those big umbrellas. (laughs) Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? What would you ask for? Maybe you'd go a little deeper than that. You'd say, I've got some bills I need to pay. I don't know how I'm gonna get these bills paid. Maybe you'd say, I've got this pain, right? right? Could you you do something? Could you jumpstart my career? Just kind of stalled out here. Our marriage is in trouble. Truth of the matter is, it may not make it. Could you, could you? And then there's my kids. Could you do something with my kids? I mean, I've, I've, maybe what I need is just a reason to go on. What is it that you'd ask for? You only get one. What is it you want me to do for you? Bart said, I want to see. He went to his deepest felt need and he said, I want to see. Hmm. He made the ask. Jesus said, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. And immediately, immediately, he received his sight and he followed Jesus, praising God. And when the people saw it, they also praised God. Jesus answered his prayer. He did. Jesus came through. And blind Bart was blind no more. Blind Bart became Bart the Jesus follower. And Bart got exactly what he wanted and Jesus got exactly what he wanted too. But this is, this is not about Bart's story. It's about yours. You see, it started out just an ordinary day Another one just like the last one and just like the one before you woke up and you got the same problems you had yesterday. Dealing with the same stresses that you had. 
and you're dealing with life the best you can, but life is hard, painful, shameful. Just another day, and then, <laughs> lo and behold, here you are in a crowd around Jesus. <laughs> Got this crowd around Jesus, and here you sit. And now what happens? When your need meets the opportunity to come face to face with Jesus' power, do you sit or do you act? It's up to you. What do you want me to do? What exactly is it? you want Jesus to do for you? Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are. But Jesus, I, I just would love to have some peace. I'd love to have some peace where I could really rest. I'd love to have peace with those relationships that I have torn up and those relationships that I have broken and, and those things that I have done. Jesus, I, I, I wish you could just take away the guilt, the shame. I'd love to just experience life without shame. And Jesus, if, if I could just have anything I wanted, what, what I would want is to go through the rest of my life without fear. I just don't want to be afraid anymore. I don't want to worry anymore. I just, Jesus, if I could have what I wanted, I would just like to go through life without being afraid, being able to just see death as tissue paper that I can tear right through because I'm not afraid of who or what waits on the other side. Jesus, what, what I want and need the most is just to sort through these lesser things. And uh, let you find the one thing that's most important for me. There's one more, one more piece that I need to share with you in this story. One more piece that I want to point out. And that is this. This is the last time that Jesus will ever pass through Jericho. Now, he only goes through two or three times, but this is the last time because this time he's on his way to Jerusalem and this time he has already planned his own execution. That's right. He is going to Jerusalem to die. Wasn't like he didn't know it was coming. He planned it. Uh, you remember I started with, let's suppose that God came to this earth as a person and this person was Jesus. Why did he come? He came because we messed up. He came because we, we messed up and we can't fix the mess. It's called, it's called sin. And because of our sin, we can never have a great relationship with God. Because of our sin, we, it blocks our way to heaven. And our sin is the reason we live in the stench of the mess that we've made. And Jesus came to change all of that. 
The only way that it could be fixed is if Jesus would come and he would pay the penalty for us by dying on a cross. It's a horrific death. But Jesus came to die on a cross so that what you and I have done could be forgiven forever, paid in full, gone, removed. Understanding that he knows he's gonna raise from the grave three days later and he's gonna be alive. And we believe that and we trust that and we believe because of that we can have a better life. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. This is the last time he'll ever pass through Jericho. Here's a truth that you need to understand. Every one of us has a last chance. For every one of us, there is that last time. The problem is, most of the time, it does not identify itself. Most of the time, the last chance, it comes dressed up as ordinary. And we don't know. But when it's gone, it's gone. For good. And Bart got his sight. He followed Jesus. The miracle was the cause that turned him into a Jesus follower. The crowd couldn't help but give God the credit for the change that they witnessed in Bart's life. I want to show you another life that has changed. Watch this with me. Struggled with the alcohol and depression for a long time. Always thought I had a pretty good handle on it. Turns out I don't. I would drink heavily on the weekends, but you know, I could always put it down and go to work come Monday. Just started drinking more and finding more reasons to drink. And that turned into drinking earlier on the weekends. Start 10 o'clock in the morning with a bourbon and tea or bourbon and just about anything. It just led to a lot of bad choices, disrespecting my marriage, my wife, uh, disrespecting my kids. And every time they'd forgive me, but you know, no one ever wanted to say it was the alcohol because I wouldn't listen to them anyways. It finally came to head one night. My wife had her boys, I believe at a basketball game. And I was home alone, piddling around, being depressed, drinking, drinking a lot. I got in my own head that I didn't have an option. So I loaded up my whiskey, went, uh, got in the truck, drunk, and I got a hold of my very close friend and in the time that it took him to text me back I had already sent him a text to make sure my boys know how to hunt when they grow up and I parked my truck and I sat there and I thought about everything over the last four years the choices I'd made. And it was at that point 
I told myself that my wife and kids would be better off without me. I pulled out my gun that I always had with me, thinking this is the only option. Man, I hope Kyle and Sarah and my boys can understand and one day forgive me. And I was motionless. I truly believe I checked out at that point. As I was bringing the gun up to put it to my head, I don't know, but out of nowhere, out of stark silence at this point, I heard my children's laugh. That laugh that every parent cherishes, that pure laughter that only your child can have of pure joy and happiness. And it was in that second that I heard their laughter. I realized I was, I was getting ready to make the biggest mistake. And I went home, poured out every single beer I had in the fridge, boxed up every bit of alcohol I had in the house, I'd officially hit rock bottom. And that time my friend pulled up to find me on my hands and knees crying, pouring out alcohol. And we talked about that time my wife and my kids came home. He got us to talk that night. And the last thing I thought she would have said is exactly what she said. I understand things happen. How can I help? And a couple of days after that night, I thought, I need something more than me. I need something more than my wife. Maybe there's something in this church thing. And so with, I think maybe that weekend, I gathered up enough nerve to, to walk through the doors. And uh, it was the best thing I could have done. And at the end of the service, he said, if you feel a nudge, like you're being nudged, to take that next step, stay after and see us. And by that point of the service, I was trembling. And my wife, my wife knew I wanted to stay. I just needed a push. And I was too scared. Couldn't do it. So we got the boys and went out to the car and I sat there and I cried. Even put the car in drive and started to pull off. My wife said, you know you're gonna hate yourself if you leave this parking lot. So I made a big U-turn in the parking lot and parked right outside the front doors. And my wife said, we'll wait for you. It's ready to have God in my life. For my kids' sake, for my wife's sake, for my sake. Donnie had asked me about baptism and I wasn't ready for that. Can't take that big of a step yet, still still skeptical a little bit. And then out of nowhere, one weekend, my year old tells my wife that he wants to be baptized. And it stopped me dead in my tracks because I had been pondering baptism more and more over the last month. And it was like God was sitting there putting an invitation right in front of me. And that's how I took it. So I decided to be baptized. And then in turn, I asked my son if he, who he would like to have baptized him. So then he looked at me and said, well, why don't you do it? How can you say no? When your son asked you to start a journey with him like this? 
So I did. And uh, probably one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. And I'm still working on it. Not perfect. And I still fall down, but I try to fall forward. And uh, I just work on it every day. So what about you? Are you going to sit? Or are you going to do something? You know a little bit about Jesus. You've got that little bit of faith. Now what are you going to do? When Jesus asks you, what can I do for you? Just a moment, the band's going to come out and uh, they're going to lead us in another song. We're going to stand together and the people are all going to be singing this song. But if you feel God nudging you right now, if, if, if you feel God working in your heart, you've got a decision to make. Are you going to sit or are you going to act? Are you going to do something? Uh, Doc and I will be down front. We'll be glad to talk with you right here, right now. While the others are busy singing and praising God, you're in a crowd of people around Jesus. He's the centerpiece. Now the question is, what will you do when Jesus says to you, what can I do for you? Why don't you come?